Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. My name is Jason Sacco and I'm your host. As a 35 plus year spondy, I'm looking to use this show to bring the spondy community closer. I'll give my lifelong battle with AS to you. That includes triumphs, tragedies, and lessons. So sit back, enjoy, and know you are not alone. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. It's been just uh, amazing weather here as we wrap up the summer. Can't believe I'm saying that here in North America and look forward to moving into the fall. Want to take care of a couple of housekeeping things as we get started. If I could get everyone to head over to spondypodcast.com and sign up for the whenever I feel like sending it out newsletter, I would really appreciate that. Also, Whatever you're listening to on this, uh, whether it be Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, if you can, hit the subscribe button so that the shows get delivered right directly to you each time they're published. That would really mean a lot. And then last, while you're out there on spondypodcast.com, if you could leave a review for the show, wow, that would really mean a lot to me. Uh, I don't care if you leave it on Apple or Podchaser. Either one of those two would be fantastic. But I really could use your help to get the word out. And if you know somebody who's got ankylosing spondylitis or non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis, you know, please feel free to share the show with them. Send them a link to it. Whatever works best to get the message out and get more folks that are dealing with ankylosing spondylitis or non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis to be brought into the family and take part in the episodes. I also wanted to let everybody know that I've started a second podcast, and it is called Discover Michigan's Thumb. So if you're from anywhere in the world and want to know more about the people, places, and things that go on in Michigan's Thumb, the history, the beautiful you know, Lake Huron, the sunrises, sunsets, all the amazing things that take place here, please head on over to discovermichigansthumb.com and check out the show. I would really appreciate hearing from anybody that's been here before from out of state, out of country, people that want to come here. You know, it's just a fantastic area with so many things to do from kayaking along the Great Lakes to even just sitting on the beach and relaxing with a book or taking in the historical sites. So with that, I wanted to go on to today's show. One thing I wanted to discuss, and I've seen a lot of conversation generated about it, is, man, I'm having a flare. What do I do with this flare? It, it's killing me. I'm feeling so bad, fatigue, everything. I don't know what to do. How do I get help with that? And, you know, it's it's really interesting because flares affect everyone different. And I also help moderate a board on Facebook called Living with Ankylosing Spondylitis. And one of the things I've noticed is there'll be a lot of questions come in on flares and I'm in a flare. I just came out of a flare, you know, whatever the thing is that you're encountering. And we'll also get some questions from folks that have been told in one form or facet that their flares might get less as they age. And what I see is all of a sudden everybody piles on and says, no, no, you're, you need a new doctor. Your rheumatologist is terrible. What I have to go in and sometimes remind everybody is that all of our experiences are different. And doctors will hand out some very generic information at time. And well, you may experience more pain or a different level of pain or a different level of flares as you age. That doesn't mean everybody does. Some people do experience a tempering of the flares, I can say that for the most part, I haven't had a bad flare in at least five years. 
Now, I do get some pain on occasion, and most of that is helped by being on Cosentix for the last almost three years. But I have to remind folks, and I want to point out that some people will get flares. Some people will get a worsening of AS as they go along. Some people might not start fusing if they fuse at all till later in life. I started fusing when I was probably at least, I'll bet you I was maybe 12. My hips were shot by the time I was 20. I had my first hip replacement at 21, my next hip replacement done at 23, and my back fused up then fairly quick. Up until maybe my mid-20s, my back really hadn't been affected at all. It was my hips, my sacroiliac joints. And then when my back started in, oh, geez, that was a whole new ball game. And after that ended, I'm getting some issues with my neck right now. It is fusing slowly thanks to the Cosentix much slower than the way my my hips and my back came on like freight trains. And when they hit, it was just this massive several years worth of excruciating pain and, and pain. That's the best way to describe it. But remember that everybody's journey with this disease is different. That's part of what makes it so hard for diagnosis. And it is entirely likely that some people may encounter less or no flares as they age Well, you, unfortunately, as you age, it might just keep getting worse and worse. Yes, the disease is progressive, but it's progressive to a point. Once it's fused, you can't really get any worse than a total fusion. So remember that everybody's fusion level and rate is completely different. So when you see somebody online that asks, is it true that, you know, we might get less pain as age? Really, the only answer is maybe And then add in your experience of, for me, that's not been the case so far. It would be nice in the future if that happens. For me, up until this point, it's not been the case. Or yes, that was the case with me. But to just make blanket statements that, no, that's wrong, is not really right to do. Anyway, that's my soapbox on that. I just want to let you know we all get this darn disease different. And it affects us all differently. So use the online boards as a learning tool. Use them to help cope with what you're going through and to help you deal with the overall situation because it's really neat to go in there and see what everybody's dealing with and know how to take that back and use it yourself. Enough of that. On to today's article. It was out of Healthline.com. and It's called Knowing the Symptoms of an Ankylosing Spondylitis Flare-Up. We know ankylosing spondylitis is a type of autoimmune or auto-inflammatory arthritis that typically affects your spine, hip, lower back joints. The condition causes inflammation that we know leading to pain, swelling, stiffness, and other symptoms. Like other kinds of arthritis, AS can sometimes flare. A flare happens when the symptoms worsen. During the flare-up, you might need to take more care and treatment than you need at other times. What we all shoot for is that remission or even partial remission is when you have fewer, milder, or even no symptoms. The remission is the really the holy grail of what you're trying to get to. So knowing when we might have a flare-up, what we can expect, and how to best hopefully overcome and soothe some of the symptoms is really what we're looking at doing. And that's what some of this was discussed in the article. So I kind of thought I would go through some of it, again, relating it to me and also to some of the things that I see people write online. What is a symptom of a flare-up? Well, flare-ups and their symptoms can be very different for every person with ankylosing spondylitis. 
And trust me, we moderate every message that comes into that board. So seeing the just hundreds of messages every day about the different ways, what flares are affecting people, what ways is just mind boggling at times. Most people with this condition will notice symptoms from the ages of 17 to 45. Again, that's just a generic. There's people that are much younger. There's people that are much older. But the 17 to 45 is just kind of the middle of the road. Symptoms can also begin during childhood and in older adults. You know, the the article still goes by the thing that AS is two and a half times more common in men than women. You know, it's, it's sad that that is still out there and floating around. And I look forward to the day when it's looked at more on a parody. With AS, we know it tends to affect, AS tends to affect men a little bit more than women. And then non-radiographic axial spondyl arthritis affects more women than men. But when you put it together under axial spondyl arthritis, it's pretty close to getting to be a one-to-one. There are two kinds of AS flare-ups. Now, while this article does talk about ankylosing spondylitis, a lot of these flare-up issues are really applicable to non-radiographic axial spondyl arthritis as well. The difference being that with non-radiographic, you'll get all the pain of the flare, you'll get all the issues to deal with, but in a good way, you're not getting at least the noticeable fusion taking place. The bad part is that you're still getting all the pain. So it's a double-edged sword there, but basically, even though it's saying ankylosing spondylitis in the article, a lot of this is applicable to both under the umbrella term of axial spondyloarthritis. So it can be local. You know, the pain can be local in one or two areas, maybe in your hips or your shoulder, or it can be general throughout the body. And I never had flares that were throughout the body. Mine were always local. So for anybody that has one that is throughout the body and everything hurts, oh, I can't even imagine that, and I I really feel for you. That's got to be just a terrible experience. Mine, like I said, were primarily my hips and back. Now, signs and symptoms of the ankylosing spondylitis flare-ups may change depending on how long you've had the condition. Long-term AS flare-ups typically cause signs and symptoms in more than one part of the body. So, again, as a progressive disease starts off and affects your spine, moves to hips, maybe moves up to your neck, your shoulders, down to your knees or your feet, that's the progressiveness of it. And if full fusion doesn't take place, You may experience worsening and worsening pain as you age. Fusion takes place. Pain diminishes somewhat or changes, as I like to say. And you may have different, lesser flare-ups, feel like you're in remission. So what are early symptoms of a flare-up? Well, there could be pain in the lower back, hips, and buttocks. And the pain may gradually, over a few weeks or months, come on. You may feel discomfort on only one side or on alternating sides. The pain normally feels dull and spreads over the area. Mine, in a lot of cases, I can remember when my hips were at their worst, is it would take me 30, 40 minutes to get out of bed. I would have to use my right leg to shuffle my left leg over to the side of the bed. And then I would almost have to roll out of the bed and fall on the floor because I couldn't just sit up and let my legs go to the floor. The pain would you know, bring me to tears. And there really wasn't any treatment for it. You can do some light exercise and stretching, your breathing exercises, some basic yoga, some Tai Chi if you can do that. You know, if you can get to a pool and exercise in a pool, that's fantastic. Maybe a warm shower or a bath. Heat therapy like a heating pad. Take some non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, you know, aspirin, ibuprofen if you can. 
and then some physical therapy. And that's really about, at this time, all that can be done. Some people have tried acupuncture. I have not. I'd be curious to hear from you. If you have, go to the website and, and shoot me a message about how that worked for you. It's something I actually am interested in trying. And then there's medications on top of that. If you're on a biologic that might help to reduce some of the pain overall, you know, by reducing the inflammation. The stiffness, you know, you can have the stiffness in the lower back, the hips, the buttocks, really anywhere that the flare is affecting you. And it might be different whether you're standing up or sitting down. I see people write online about, I can't stand up, I can't sit down, I can't get comfortable. What do I do? I'm, I'm going crazy. I can certainly relate to that. Stiffness is typically worse in the morning and at night and improves during the day as you move around. Inactivity is a lot of times the worst thing for ankylosing spondylitis. And again, it's the treatment for it is the similar stretching, movement, light exercise, you know, physical therapy, heat massage, or even massage therapy if you have access to that. Neck pain and stiffness. You know, noted in this article is the Spondylitis Association of America notes that women may be more likely to have symptoms that start in the neck and not the lower back. Again, treatment is very similar. It's light exercise and stretching. Again, Tai Chi, yoga, just your basic stretching. A warm shower or bath. I've noticed a lot of people talk about using Epsom salts for these baths, and I've never tried that. I'd be curious to hear what people think and, and respond to using that. Heat therapy, NSAIDs, physical therapy, and then again, massage therapy. Fatigue is another item. Now, once your body's filled with inflammation, and if you're in a major flare, that inflammation is attacking as many areas as it wants to in your body, and that can lead to the fatigue that we all experience to one level or another. I know for the last probably six months, eight months, my fatigue level has, even doing well on Cosentix, my fatigue has just been crazy. So I'm not sure what's bringing that about, but the fatigue can lead to tiredness, and this may be worsened by disturbed sleep at night due to pain and discomfort. So really controlling inflammation can help in some ways to manage the fatigue. Not always, but it can help. And again, treatment with that could be physical therapy, massage, NSAIDs, any of that you might want to try. Other early symptoms that you may encounter, inflammation, pain, and discomfort can cause loss of appetite, weight loss, and a mild fever during flare-ups. So managing the pain and inflammation helps to ease some of these symptoms, and again, with that treatment for it could be something as similar as NSAIDs, physical therapy, light exercise, and prescription medications that you are taking. Long-term symptoms of a flare-up. Well, chronic back pain. An ankylosing spondylitis flare-up may cause chronic back pain over time. You may feel dull to burning pain on both sides of the lower back, buttocks, or hips. Could be one side, could be both sides. Chronic pain can last for three months or longer. I mean, geez, there's really no time frame as to when a flare, the minimum amount or the maximum amount. So I've, I've witnessed people online saying that they've been in flares for years. But again, treatment is NSAIDs, prescription meds, possibly a steroid injection, physical therapy, which can be floor work or water exercises, you know, getting into a pool or even possibly massage therapy. There's also pain in other areas besides the back. And that can spread to other joints, shoulders, your hips, sacroiliac joints, really wherever it wants to go. So you may have pain and tenderness in the mid-upper back, neck, shoulder blades, ribs, thighs, heels, wherever. 
I have it in my left shoulder at times. Haven't had it in a while. I attribute that mostly to the Cosentix, but it would get so bad where I couldn't lift up my left arm. I would have to use my right arm to pick it up. The pain was excruciating. And again, treatment, NSAIDs, prescription meds, steroid injections, you know, and physical therapy. And then so for some people over time, stiffness comes into play. You may also have more stiffness in your body over time. Stiffness may also spread to the upper back, neck, shoulders, rib cage. Again, it's going to go wherever it wants to go. With the stiffness being worse in the morning, gets better during the daytime as you're active, but then it can also, you may have muscle spasms or twitching. And I'll kind of tell folks this, when my back started really flaring bad and I wasn't on any treatment at all, this would have been in the late 90s when I was living in Phoenix. And for the most part, the weather out there really made a difference. It really helped. But I can remember there was, I was feeling really terrible for a couple days and just an immense amount of pain. And I was sleeping and my wife was in bed next to me, you know, and man, I came shooting up in bed, sitting straight up, just screaming in the middle of the night, scared the heck out of her. And she was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? First thing she's thinking is maybe a scorpion had gotten the bed or whatever. And the only way I could explain it was that from right above my hips to my neck, it felt like I had just gotten a charley horse across my whole back. It was the mother of all spasms. And this happened a few times, and it was just ungodly pain. And there was nothing you could do to unwind it, so to speak. It had to do it itself. And I would just shoot up in screaming pain and then eventually be able to straighten back up to lay down, roll onto my side, and usually didn't happen again that night. It was insane. I did some stuff I shouldn't have done. I was taking copious amounts of NSAIDs. It's probably why I have kidney damage now because I was taking so many. And it was about this time that I got put onto Celebrex. It would be a few more years after this, but it was about this time that I was finally put on Celebrex. But even then, I was uh, prone to occasionally taking NSAIDs on top of the Celebrex, which was just more on more. And again, that's probably why I have the kidney damage now. But the, really the only treatment for this is NSAIDs or prescription meds, maybe some muscle relaxers. I never had much luck with those, but I never really tried anything past Flexeril. So there could be other stuff that's stronger. Physical therapy, floor and water exercises, a sauna, or even massage therapy. And even now that I'm really fused and I still have the stiffness from just overall being fused and, and waking up in the morning, I do my deep breathing and I love a good massage. I'll lay down on the massage table and I'll ask to just have that lower back of mine. The The masseuse can skip the legs, skip the shoulders. I, I don't care about any of it. I had one masseuse that she understood AS real well, and she was really good at working it. And I would go in and get two-hour massages where she just worked basically from the rib cage down to my waist. That was it. And she would work it hard, and it was great. I'd just lay there on my stomach, and she would just go to town just massaging the muscles and working on everything. And, oh, I loved it. And so I don't have access to her anymore since I moved. But, you know, it's hopefully once we get able to get two massage parlors and so forth and find a good masseuse, I can find somebody that's relatively familiar with this. The other thing is loss of flexibility. You may lose normal flexibility in some joints, 
long-term inflammation in the joints can fuse or join bones together. I've fused my sacroiliac joints, my most of my back. I posted pictures on, if you go to the Instagram page for the podcast, which is AS underscore podcast, and I'll have a link in the show notes. I've posted pictures of my I posted pictures of my x-rays so that you can see exactly what it looks like. But again, there really isn't any treatment. I, I have had the hip replacements to deal with fused and broken hip joints, but the main treatment is going to be NSAIDs, prescription meds, muscle relaxers, steroid injections, back or hip surgery if applicable, and physical therapy. Another thing is difficulty breathing. Bones in your rib cage can also fuse or join together. The rib cage is designed to be flexible to help you breathe. If the rib joints become stiffer, it may be harder for your chest and lungs to expand. This may make your chest feel tight. Again, do your breathing exercises every morning and every night. When you sit down to watch TV, three, four deep breaths. Hold them a few seconds, let them out. It's real simple. You're, you're sitting there watching TV anyway, so just do your deep breathing exercises. I, to this day, think that that's the main reason that I haven't had much of an issue with my rib cage. But again, for treatment, uh, there's NSAIDs, prescription anti-inflammatory drugs, steroid injections, and physical therapy. You can also have some difficulty moving. Ankylosing spondylitis can affect even more joints over time. You may have pain and swelling in the hips, knees, ankles, heels, and toes. This can make it difficult to stand, sit, and walk. And, you know, I can certainly attest to that. Multiple hip replacements. I walk with a cane on a good day. If I'm taking the dog out, I use crutches more times than not to make it easier for movement for me. And again, treatment is NSAIDs, prescription meds, muscle relaxers, steroid injections, physical therapy, a knee or a foot brace. I use a foot brace and I'm having one design that's going to be a whole leg brace as well as surgery. Some people experience stiff fingers. Again, talk to your doctor about that. Eye inflammation, check out in the show notes. I've done a couple episodes on uveitis and iritis. More than one-fourth of people with ankylosing spondylitis have eye inflammation. This condition is called, you know, as I said, iritis or uveitis, and it causes the redness, pain, blurry vision, and floaters in one or both eyes. Your eyes also may become sensitive to bright lights. The treatment for this can be very long-term if you don't respond well, and there's steroid eye drops. You'll have eye drops to dilate the pupils, prescription medications, and if it gets really bad, like my first bout of iritis, they'll do an injection right in the eyeball to get, I think it was steroids in there real fast and direct. And some people on rare occasions may have lung and heart inflammation. So again, your doctor should be checking you for all of these when he or she knows that you have ankylosing spondylitis or non-radiographic. They should be concerned about your NSAID intake as well as any or any damage from the long-term exposure to increased inflammation. As far as, as we talked about earlier, how long will a flare last? You know, people with AS typically have one to five flares in a year, but flare-ups may last from days to months or even longer. What are some common causes and triggers of flare-ups? While there are no known causes for AS, flare-ups also can't always be controlled. Some people will feel fine and they may have stress and that triggers a flare-up. So it could be even, I've heard some are triggered by food that they intake. So again, you're going to know your body and make sure to, to really hone in on those things. If you get a flare, think about what you did before that may have triggered it. Preventing and managing flare-ups, a healthy lifestyle can help. For example, regular exercise or physical therapy may help reduce pain and stiffness. Smoking is a big one. If you are smoking, quit smoking. 
and avoid secondhand smoke if at all possible. People with ankylosing spondylitis who smoke are at a higher risk of spine damage. This condition also affects your heart. You may have a high risk of heart disease or stroke if you're a smoker. Take all medications exactly as prescribed to help prevent and smooth out flare-ups and soothe them and give yourself some relief. Your doctor may prescribe one or more medications that help to control inflammation. This may help ease flare-ups. Drugs used to treat AS and non-radiographic axial spondyloarthritis are things like Humira, Enbrel, Symphony, Remicade, Methotrexate, Cosentix. There's just a number of things. So as with any disorder, you know, people always go, well, what's the outlook? What am I, what am I looking at as I, I age? What am I going to deal with? In one study, about 75% of people with AS reported that they felt depression, anger, and isolation. Talk to your doctor about your emotions and seek the help of a mental health professional if you have to. I've gone to therapy myself for a number of years for a number of issues, and it really can help. So, you know, if you need help, reach out and get it. Join a support group. You know, getting more information can help you feel in control of your treatment. There's a number of different support groups available to you on Facebook. So just type in the word ankylosing spondylitis for a search, and you'll be brought into all sorts of different groups that are out there that are filled with a lot of very good, helpful people. And remember, your experience with AS flare-ups will not be the same as someone else with this condition. So pay attention to your body. Keep a daily symptom and treatment journal if you want to. You know, and that's really good when I did the episode on chronic insights, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. That's an app you can put right on your phone, whether it be a Android phone or a Apple phone. Put that app on to keep track of how you're feeling. You know, you also, if possible, record any triggers that you may notice. And then lastly, be open with your doctor. Tell them if you think a treatment is helping to prevent flares or reduce symptoms, or if you feel that that treatment isn't helping you, let them know. If, if you don't tell them, they're not going to know. So what worked for you, you know, at one point in your life may no longer work as you fused or symptoms have switched to other parts of your body. So your doctor should be willing to adjust any type of treatment, any type of medications to help to keep you from having these massive flare-ups. So again, I really thank everybody for listening. A little bit of a longer episode today, but this topic of flare-ups is so important that I really thank everybody for listening. Please again, hit the subscribe button to the show. Go out to spondypodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter and send me a message or write a review and I'll read the review on the next episode. And I really appreciate everybody listening. Everybody have a wonderful week.